Yes, and as we come to talk to Andrew Moore from Grandstand, uh, ABC Cricket, of course, Australia have just won the third test in indoor. Grandstand's Andrew Moore joins me now. You must be pretty thrilled. The third test all over Red Rover. Yes, g'day, Andy. Though it, that doesn't, they've done it so easy over the last half hour. It's incredible because after... 10 overs, and bearing in mind they're chasing a very small target of 76. They should win that, that from there. But they're one for 13 after 10 overs. It was extremely tense. But then Travis Head, uh, the makeshift opener with Dave Warner out injured, he just tore the Indians apart. It was extraordinary. Um, so, yeah, that's a great win for Australia on the back of two horrendous losses. Of course, uh, there was, you know, much talk about those uh, pitches, particularly this pitch in the preparation. It certainly uh, sort of fast-tracks play to the annoyance of broadcasters. Do you think anything should change about pitch preparation? What, what have we learnt uh, throughout these, this test series? Yeah, it's, it's an eternal question because, you know, teams, for want of a better term, do doctor their pitches to favour their own conditions. It's happened forever in India. It happens in England. Uh, we used to have it out here with fast, bouncy pitches, although you don't see that as often these days. But that's that's the real issue to me is the time. We haven't had a test go beyond three days in three tests over there. Um, I don't think that's acceptable. I don't care that the uh, conditions favour the home team. I think, you know, that that's fair enough. I think there should be a variety of conditions around the world. And you've got to be good enough to handle it. And Australia certainly has not been up until this tested indoor. But you've got to have a pitch that at least is... Uh, makes the game prepared to go into a fifth day. That's what Test Cricket's about. So I think it's a mixture of those home-cooked pitches and then also, you know, we're in a T20 culture where players don't seem to be as resilient when they're batting in difficult conditions as they once were, whether it's the spinning dry tracks of India or seeming decks in, in England where it favours pace bowling and movement off the seam and swing and all of that sort of thing. Anything out of the cookie-cutter atmosphere of T20 cricket players at the moment around the world seem to struggle. So it's probably a mixture of both. But I I think the ICC and the broadcasters are entitled to be concerned about these games ending inside, well inside three days. Just uh, watching on the telly the replay of Labuschagne uh, knocking the ball for four or six, I think, maybe four, to, to win the game. Pretty incredible scenes. Of course, the other talk point from this test was, you know, Australia gaining a few advantages from appeals. Has Australia found a loophole in the decision review system or are they simply kind of taking advantage of the current rules? Oh, no, they're just taking advantage of the current rules. And I think because if you go for a challenge for, say, an LBW, but there's also the bat near the pad, it's beholden to the third umpire to check everything, basically the duck shot with source in that in that case. So if you have appeal for LBW, but there's a nick onto the pad and it's taken by a fieldsman, then you can still be given out court. So, no, there's nothing uh, funny going on. They're all part of the uh, the rules the ICC sets. And really, we're only seeing a predominance of it over the last three days, Andy, I think because of the conditions of the pitch and the fact that the bowlers have been in the game just about every single delivery from both sides. So yeah. I, I think that's uh, really why we've seen it a lot over the last two and a half days. 
Moving on, I do want to talk about this coordinated campaign for an Indigenous voice to Parliament. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has been personally involved in uh, ensuring all the football, uh, netball, Australia, cricket, tennis codes all get on board. Is this unusual in your view? I think it probably is coming from a Prime Minister, yes. Um, The old adage of sports and politics don't mix. I don't think that's been a reality for decades, but... To have that sort of influence coming from the Prime Minister's office, I would think that is unusual. Um, You could debate the merits of it, but, yeah, I I definitely think that is a stretch that we haven't seen before. None none that comes to immediate mind anyway. When it came came to the plebiscite in uh, 2016, there was obviously the codes taking uh, the choice to endorse the yes vote. But do you think this will certainly kind of work against the people in the middle here who might think, well, if it's a top-down, the Prime Minister has told these sports to endorse a voice to Parliament, then I reject that sentiment. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out because they're the people, obviously, that they're trying to influence, aren't they? The ones that are caught in the middle and um, the Prime Minister thinks that these athletes, uh, well-known athletes around the country, will have a positive impact on how he wants that vote to go. So you often get that, don't you, especially in Australia. If you get told how to think about something, you often just by instinct go the other way. So it will be fascinating how it plays out because the people they're targeting are exactly the the people who might react exactly as you're suggested, that they might think, but hang on, we're not going to be sort of bullied into this. We'll make our own decisions um, and have a negative view on how it's been pushed down their throat, so to speak. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out in reality. Of course, we've seen in recent times, you know, politics and uh, issues like climate change uh, kind of involve themselves in cricket. You know, uh, Cummins notably refused to acknowledge the sponsor of a cricket uh, Australia because they weren't climate friendly. Once sport and politics are intertwined, can you ever untangle them? I think it's been tangled for a long time uh, in one way or another. Um, And that was certainly... It was the first time really in his career that Pat Cummins received negative feedback from uh, people around the country, whether it was the media or fans, because, you know, he's the captain of Australia. It's um, one of the more popular positions anywhere in the country. Um, And he did get some backlash for going out on a limb there because once you do that as as an athlete or anyone with a profile, then your history and how you travel and what sort of um, care you've taken about the climate, for example, is going to be examined to within an inch of its life. And probably nobody's perfect in these areas, so there is going to be backlash. And I wonder whether what happened to Pat Cummins, it's either going to strengthen the resolves of some who feel really strongly about these issues and they should be allowed to express that, um, but others, it might force them into the back corner a little bit and say, oh, it's not worth a, worth a hassle. But I hope, whether it's Pat Cummins or anyone else, if they believe strongly about something, why, why shouldn't they be able to speak out about it? On RN Drive, Grandstands, Andrew Moore is here. We're talking all things sport on and off the field. Uh, let's go to the on-field action. The NRL season has begun with the Melbourne Storm beating the Parramatta Eels overnight. How important was this match for coach Craig Bellamy when you consider the kind of exodus of experienced players over the summer? Yeah, I think very important. I mean, it was we called that game last night, Andy. It was a thriller-minute game. And Melbourne, the only time they led was when Harry Grant scored in the fourth minute of extra time to get that win to continue their stunning um, 
results in round one games under Craig Bellamy. That's 20 wins from 20 first-round games. You mentioned there's been quite a bit of turnover in the roster at, at Melbourne and they've lost senior players like uh, the, the Bromwich brothers who have made their way to the new club in the NRL, the Dolphins, along with Felice Cafusi, who's been a long-standing member of a very successful Melbourne Storm side. Plus, bear in mind this as well, out of their 30-man roster, nine players were unavailable last night because of injury. So I think that may, that win means more to Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm than most first-round games will mean over the course of the next three days because of that very reason. It shows you that they have more depth than a lot of us gave them credit for coming into the season. It shows you that they're, again, the best coach team in the NRL, and it shows, again, that they will find a way to win tight games, and that's always been a trait under Craig Bellamy's coaching. This may be his last year, Andy, as coach of the Melbourne Storm, although we seem to have said that for three four years in a row. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that would be significant for Craig Bellamy last night, no doubt about it. Andrew, I loved hearing your voice on the radio over summer. It's great to have you on RN Drive, and thanks for joining me. And drive safe. Yeah, nearly at Penrith Stadium for Penrith Brisbane tonight. Good on you, Andy. Thank you. Nice to catch up. That's Andrew Moore from ABC Grandstand joining me as Australia wins the third test in India uh, just uh, a few moments ago. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.